start on the podcast here now i saw that it was announced back in september how long did you have to keep it a secret that you were launching a podcast for you know it it really wasn't like that it was so funny um i was asked by the ceo of nacelle brian volk uh weiss who is absolutely the, the most wonderful ceo i've ever worked with um he wanted me to do this. It was his idea, and he had to convince me. I said no twice before um, finally. Well, it was also because a dog dared me to do it, and I went, okay, <laughs> screw you. I'm doing it. And uh, so so if he was kind of like, okay, when is she, is she going to say yes? Come on. And I said yes, and it was like, boom, it was announced. And I'm like, okay, I guess uh, there's no turning back now. Wow. Then, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was totally his idea, and... Um, I, I guess that's something about me that I've started to learn about myself. You know, someone comes with a, a, a wonderful, you know, bowl of delicious pasta. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are they, why are they offering this to me? You know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the negative instead of like, oh, that smells great. I think I'll try it by, you know, it's like, I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the bad side of this? You know? So when I started doing it, it really was fun. And it was, through the pandemic, most of I, I've got 14 in the can. Um, but these are my friends and I, I was finding my way. You know, I wasn't always using my good voice that I do narrations and things like that. A lot right. of times, a lot of times I would find myself talking like that. And, 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 and having to, yes. <laughs> and having to listen back to it was like, oh, my God, that's excruciating. Gates, please go go to your better voice, please. But, you know, I've learned about every single person. I've learned something I didn't know, um, even though I've known these people for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm having uh, so much fun doing it. They're great people. If they weren't such great people, that might be another thing. But right, they're great. Do you remember the first podcast that you were super aware of or at least tried listening to? Do, of doing my own or, the, or just in general? Uh, just in general, if you said, hey, Darren, what was the first one that you really got into? A friend or two had podcasts that I checked out, but I think the Adam Carolla podcast was the first time where I heard it and went, wow, this is a real thing. This is the new radio. This is great. Do you have any recollections like that? Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was exactly like that. I feel that I've always been drawn to things that are like the New Yorker has had some incredible podcasts about things, the New York Times as well, things where it's really been investigative reporting as well as talking with experts. And some of them are serialized and some not, but really, really um, amazing uh, information and opinion and uh, interviews. So I've loved that. I've also always been somebody who loved storytelling things. So I listen to the moth. I listen to things like that. And there's life. What is it? Life. There's a, there's a couple of new ones on KCRW that I listen to every Saturday, but I can't tell you their names, sadly, but they are really life examined. That's one of them. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's really great. And I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I don't listen to 
nonstop podcasts like my son does. My son is like always listening to a podcast. Yeah. And I think part of it is I just always have left either the headphones and I'm in a crowd, but now I am determined to start to listen to them when I travel, um, when I start to travel again, because it's the best thing in the world, you know, to have that. Um, so anyway, yeah, you know, but there's so many great ones out there and I've loved yeah. the ones where people, I haven't listened to as many of the ones that are just conversations or there was one between chefs that was, they were talking so fast, it was hard actually for me to follow it. <laughs> talking um, shop, yes. <laughs> yeah, but so when I was editing, because I learned how to sound edit and then the studio, they they then double check my sound editing and they make it sound even, you know, cleaner but i can see how if you take out certain things it it helps to um helps the flow you know it helps the flow if you hear everybody clear their throat and do all these things it's just kind of right your ums your ahs your yeah, explosives yeah. etc wow your journey uh granted i don't have brian producing or working on my podcast i've had the pleasure <laughs> of interviewing him what an incredible director and businessman and creative person in general right? but I know. when i started doing it i was thinking of well do i really want someone else editing my voice and that okay i'll do it and the first time or two you listen to yourself it's agony agony Agony. <laughs> and then like the 12th time you do, you go, oh, well, it's not fun, but I can tolerate myself. <laughs> Around what episode did you start to be able to listen to yourself and go, this uh, isn't the worst? Well, we're, we're still working on it. I sort of think of it as my Sartrean hell or the existential <laughs> dilemma of having, you know, to do something I like, I have to go through this. <laughs> this existential hell of listening to myself and like, who is that woman? Can we just get rid of her? It's a great podcast without her. <laughs> but, you know, I think going into it and Brian said, look, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, and that's the attitude I, I need to bring to it because, you know, if we aren't going to try something and if we're only worried about failure, I, I never would go forward because I've done so many things that have just, dropped into my lap like teaching all those years i didn't go out looking for the jobs it just happened and then once you're in that thing you have to make a choice to get out of that and go back to do something else but life is that way and i'm just one yeah. of those people i don't go i want to be a podcaster you know it just happened and i want to do the best i can and i'm loving it well, for the record i love your voice there's nothing wrong with your voice to my ears and <laughs> It intrigues me, though, that you've been in the public eye for like 35, 40 years, whatever the number is, and still you have trouble watching yourself or listening to yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. It blows my mind. For me, I've only been editing my own interviews for like three years. But when I listen to stuff that I didn't say 2004, I can. It's agony. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, I was that bad. But you're... That's so intriguing to me that you're still self-conscious about that. Well, you know, part of it is I am actually an introvert. And so when I, but I was someone who was also pushed to perform all my life. Okay. So I can go into this, oh, I have to keep things going. I have to <laughs> keep asking the question. And I think that's what I noticed the most about myself. I think it takes much more experience to sort of go, it's all right. There can be there can be silence gates because you can edit that together. It's okay. Yeah. And so that's 
what happens. I when I and this can happen even publicly for me. If I feel a any kind of a pressure to be in the performance mode, I start like either talking too much or talking too fast. When I can actually just be myself and like the way I talk with friends, it's just a different rhythm. So that's that's my goal is to try to m make that find that rhythm or something. But I think occasionally I do shock myself and go, oh, that actually sounded interesting. It's good <laughs> job. You know, one out of every 5,000 things. Good. <laughs> that again, this is so intriguing to me. And combining the friends beat with the podcasting kind of beat, one of the cliches, not the word, but one of the commonalities of celebrities who do podcasts is they hit that point where they realize, hey, you did me the favor of being on my show. Now, eventually, I'm going to have to do your show and your right. show and your show. So if right, you right. have 12, 14 episodes in the can, that's maybe 12 to 14 different <laughs> podcasts you have to do now. Has that hit you yet? Well, that starts to hit you. But you know what? In my, At least with the next gen people in particular, I mean, we really are close. And yes, we've they my friends did it they did it for me. They didn't do it because they felt they needed another podcast, but we support each other that way. And, and that's really such a gift of doing the show. And I also am very close to several people who are in other series because we've spent a lot of time where we see each other and we, you know, have done cruises where we're hanging out and right. sh sharing meals and you get to know people and, and then you go over to their house or they come over to your house. It, it's great. Um, I feel very close to several people, you know, people like John Delancey. I, I mean, you know, and I certainly adore my space son. Um, I mean, really, he's a s spectacular human being, and I feel really privileged to know him. And I feel that way about all my friends, actually. They're really great people. I can only really think of five to 10 different industry or show kind of brands that have what Star Trek has in terms of there's other casts, but the second that you meet somebody from another cast, you go, I know what it's like. You know, it's it's you guys. It's Saturday Night Live. It's being in WWE and professional wrestling. Like whether you're wrestling in <laughs> yeah. 1987 or 2012, you're like, that's I get funny. it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's really it's, true. It's this fraternity or sorority, whatever you want to call it, of people yeah. who have been there. That's right. You have to are dealing with a franchise or wearing spacesuits or you know, <laughs> having to learn how to do the transporter and the special effects. And, it, you know, it is. I don't know. I'm very happy to be part of it. I had no idea when I first was on the show. No idea. And I was very frightened of the whole thing. But uh, again, I that's just the way I am. <laughs> I'm learning yeah. that it's it, it, it's time to change and embrace, embrace that. <laughs> That's my new motto. But but it's incredible that that's not the only franchise that you've been part of that matters that people are still talking about. My wife is a diehard fan of Labyrinth. She just oh, said, boy. hey, did you know it's the 35th anniversary this year of the release? And you go, yeah, OK. Uh, do you any idea if there's anything big coming up officially because 35 is kind of a big number? Well, you know, I haven't been asked. I, I, I'm sort of out of that loop, but uh, I, it was a almost a full year of my life. It was nine months or so. And um, yeah, I mean, I think looking back, I 
was in such a whirlwind. I had never done such a huge film project as choreographer. I had done smaller things. And um, so I was learning about just production and all sorts of things. There was such a learning curve that it was a whirlwind. And I, I feel looking back, I go, oh, I wish I'd had more time. You know, <laughs> maybe I would have hung out, tried to hang out with David Bowie or something, you know, but it was like, just, it was about, gosh, I got to get my responsibilities to get that scene up and ready. And we got to do this. And then the goblins things has to happen. And, you know, there was a lot of that happening, but he, he, I mean, he, what an extraordinary artist. And he really, he really was the real deal. And so down to earth and unpretentious. I mean, that was the thing about him. He was curious, very smart, wanting to try stuff, not afraid of looking dorky or slipping or whatever. He was really chill. Uh, I, that I remember. And many people aren't that way. They don't, <laughs> they don't want you to see them be awkward for a second, you know, but he was game. He was trying to do all these things that were, because I was so naive. I, I was trying to make his, the Goblin King's disappearances actually seem impossible. And I did them, we did them as if it was a theater production and mm -hmm. I would have other dancers cover and you would not know how he got from one place to the other. And then I was like, when they started editing, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't have to work that. They could have just edited, but it, it kind of was like sad for me because it was truly magical the way we had worked on it. And he was game for all of it, like bending way down and trying to do all these things. It was a cool scene. I love that scene. Totally has nothing to do with anything, but my favorite thing that I've ever heard about David Bowie is in the last years of his life, when he was living in New York City, he was totally going in public, you know, not with a hat with glasses. You could go, oh, that's totally David Bowie. But he was always carrying a Greek newspaper, a Greek language thing, because people look at him and they'd see a newspaper in Greek and they go, oh, that's not David Bowie. He's oh, that's funny. That's funny. I never read that. That's really funny. Yeah, absolute genius. So, hey, back to you, rather than just talking about what a genius David Bowie is, how great Star Wars, uh, I'm, why did I say Star Wars? Star Trek fans are, that was the cardinal sin to, to see I both. know, I, I love, you see, that's so wonderful. Now that was your clown moment, like your pants have I, gone down. I okay. have never, I have to admit, <laughs> I've never seen a Star Trek movie. When they said, hey, you're talking to Gates, ask Gates things that she hasn't been asked for. I said, don't worry, not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> People in my life are diehards. I don't do the sci-fi thing, but I respect the work ethic and the detail. Cool. Cool. And cool people like it, like Brian, et cetera. But <laughs> back to you here. You said before, there's nothing that you say, I, I'm going to do this. You know, this is my goal. But is there a field you haven't yet conquered that you're still hoping to do? Uh, yeah, uh, neurosurgery. I'm thinking of, uh, I, I'm hoping by uh, maybe next spring, I'll be able to do surgery in my garage. It's uh, it's just something I've always had on my bucket list. No, actually, you know, there there's one thing that I did do that was on a bucket list, and that was I was artistic director of a theater, and I built a theater uh, in L.A. I sold all my Star Trek memorabilia to do it, by the way. But wow. that, that was something where I had always wanted to do it, and there were things that I didn't know. I wish I had been able to do that when I was in my 30s instead of, you know, late in my life because it was it was really hard it was nonprofit and nonprofit is all about raising money oh my god you know Elizabeth. but i 
Yeah, but I was able to do some of my favorite things that I've ever directed and and with brand new writers, not brand new writers, brand new uh, scripts, uh, new material. And I, I do love that. I really love the creative process, you know, even if it's a creative new interpretation or something. I, I, um, I love actors. I love dancers. I love singers, painters. I, I love the performing arts, visual arts. Sure. That's, that's my bag. Well, two quick questions and then you're free. And the first one, I couldn't figure this out through just Googling you. Do you have a favorite band or favorite musical artist? Well, I was, Nirvana was a big one for me, um, but that's no longer. Um, I well, love although it. there have been a ton of posthumous releases. In fact, yeah. you say more from Nirvana came out after Kurt passed than while he was alive. Yeah, yeah. But I also like groups like the Kronos Quartet. I have a very broad range of music that I like. I also have, um, like, I collect ethnic music from all over the world whenever I travel. I really, really like music of all kinds. I think the type of music I like the least is pop actually. I like heavy rock. I like the German, um, um, what's their, oh. Rammstein? Yes, I have all of their albums. I love them, you know? Uh, and I've used them in productions, you know, where I'll, I'll, it just, and it can be a juxtaposition, something really like heavy yeah. metal. And it's a totally different sort of theme you would think in the play, but the words actually are what's happening in the play. So I don't know, I love, um, I love, all kinds of music like that. So I don't have just now one favorite band. There's so many I like. Um, I mean, I, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear Marianne Faithful's new album that's coming out. That sounds so rocking awesome. I love rap big time. Uh, I used to drive, uh, you know, kids to school and uh, I wanted the rap and they just did not want it on, you know, cause they were like five and six. <laughs> And I'm just loving it. I I collect a lot of uh, French rap from that comes out of Marseille. Really awesome groups. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, I, I really I really mean it. I really love it. Uh, so anyway. Sounds <laughs> like a second podcast. Assuming this goes well, <laughs> you'll have your music one where you're spinning records. Uh, you know what? I've always that has been on my bucket list. Honest to God, I researched and almost signed up for a class. I have always wanted to be a DJ in a certain way. I thought, wow, I had this, well, I had this thought of doing this show that is almost like DJing your life. And I wanted to learn how to do the skills. I love things like that. I'm, I'm pretty wacky. Um, you know, I'm not saying wacky. I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> well, look at how much stuff is behind me. They give me I, crap all the time for, for the <laughs> pop culture. But my last question being mindful of your time here is, do you have a TV show that you could recommend to somebody who needs a new show to start? Yes, I mean, yes, 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 oh, yes. Okay. The Bureau. It's the a Bureau. French show. It's so awesome. And I mean, I've loved Babylon Berlin, but The Bureau is like one of the best shows I've seen in years. It's, you have to go, I think you get it on Amazon and then you have to do something else. They, they hook you for the last two seasons. It's <laughs> so worth it. And characters that you start and you go, oh, I don't like that character. By the end, you've totally done 180. You are never ahead of that show. And that's one of my 
things that I, I use because I'm ahead of most shows that I watch. I'm like, okay, that person's going to do this, even if it's not a mystery, you know, but that show never ahead of it. It's pretty awesome. Wow. Okay. That wasn't on my radar. That's going on our list. Thank you so much for your time. May you 12th are welcome. is the launch date, correct? Yes, it is. May 12th. Looking forward to everything that's to come and just keep up all the greatness you got going there, Gates. Uh, thank you so much. You're so nice, Darren. Take care. Outrocast. Hello. Hey, there's Rhiannon. How's your day going there? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, you for doing this. Is, is it right to call you Rhiannon? Because when you look at the press releases, sometimes they call you by a nickname. <laughs> You can call me whatever you like today. Well, I'm calling you on time and I appreciate you doing this. How did you first get involved with Best Friends, this wonderful cause and this upcoming event? Um, I first visited probably about nine years ago now. I actually um, came through southern Utah on a very uh, cliched mother-daughter road trip um my mum was going through a divorce and we were like right let's go to the states southwest get a convertible (laughs) have some time together and uh we never heard of best friends before we drove through canab visited the sanctuary fell in love and then fast forward seven years later um well actually a couple of years later i bought a house in southern utah and uh yeah made some roots here and uh, yeah, that's really been the, that was really the, the start of like, you know, just, I love the sanctuary. Like you said, it's a fantastic cause. Um, and we really, uh, you know, love the invite to play, uh, play the festival as well. So. Got it. When, when, <laughs> when you're growing up in New York, like I did, pretty much all you know about Utah is there's the NBA team, there's Utah Jazz. There was a couple of movies there. And then as you get a little older, you realize so many movies were filmed in Utah. So many major celebrities and musicians live in Utah. So when did you actually make that move to buy that property? Um, I've just, I think ever since growing up, so I'm from Wales, North yes. Wales in the UK. Um, so landscape wise, very different, um, but still rugged and rural, you know, in its own way, just a bit greener and wetter. Yes. But um, I just think I've always kind of grown up just enjoying, like you said, movies that were filmed in the Southwest of America. And it's, there's a kind of a romanticism, isn't it? To all those kind of canyons and desert landscapes. So I think it's a place that um, from being a little a little girl, really, that I always kind of fancied um, visiting. The, the buying a house here was a very, um, what some people might say, reckless kind of a decision because I'd been on the road for um, kind of constantly for about three years living, you know, very happily but chaotically out of a suitcase and on a tour bus. Sure. And I just thought, well, I think I need somewhere to you know, <laughs> to leave me gear once in a while. And it was very much a, oh, I remember that town. That was nice. We'll go, we'll go there and see how it works out. <laughs> so, you know, and obviously the draw, I think, you know, the town where the sanctuary is and, and that area, it's such an interesting um, collection of different people from lots of different bands of um, backgrounds, you know, and um, I kind of like the melting pot that the, you know, that this area has. And obviously Best Friends is an, has been an influence there in terms of, you know, um, inviting lots of different people into this community. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a real shakeup to what you 
um think utah is going to be like I, yes. it constantly surprises me you know which is it's, it's how life is isn't it like nothing is ever completely as it seems <laughs> so I, I love it here like I'm not looked back on what was a, a very spontaneous <laughs> on a whim decision really that's wonderful I'm personally yeah. hoping to get back to Park City Utah in September one of my favorite small cities there is but you mentioned the diversity and all that have you yeah. ever heard anyone else speak Welsh in Utah <laughs> There's quite a lot of uh, Welsh history um, here in Utah. I think there was there's obviously um, been a huge, um, you know, across the years, there's been a, a, a kind of maybe a, a gravitation of, you know, maybe like there is something about the landscape and the, and the wilderness that has, I think, um, across the ages really kind of um, invited uh, people from, from Wales to Utah because there seems to be quite a lot of Welsh history I think one of the first female mayors in southern Utah was actually from Welsh descent and wow my, my best so my best friend um that I met here as well he actually works at the um at best friends animal sanctuary and he traced his family tree and he goes way back I mean he probably has a richer you know I'm a little bit kind of get a bit mongrelly in terms of Irish Mancunian Lancashire his yeah. is actually quite a pure family tree straight into the valleys of Wales so we've been laughing I've been trying to teach him Welsh over the you know um over the past 12 months since we've been here and he seems to kind of have an instant tongue for it as well so yeah it's kind of fascinating it feels like there are some some little um you know, uh, hints to there having been uh, Welsh migration into Utah throughout the wow. I have yeah. learned so much. They say you, if you learn one thing a day, that's normal. Your conversation, it's already like six things. So thank you <laughs> so much. And I got the press release a couple of weeks ago that Into the Blue is your new single. Is yeah. that something that you'll be performing at Songs to Save Them All? Or is that just totally separate? It's actually the um, acoustic debut of Into the Blue. We thought we'd, um, you know, showcase it um, tomorrow. Well, on the, on, on, is it tomorrow? What day is it? Holy yeah, <laughs> shit. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, it's getting its uh, acoustic um, premiere tomorrow uh, during, the, during the performance. Um, and, you, and you're right, yeah, first, first song back, new album out in the summer. Uh, lots of new music to share so you know always this kind of like nice exciting time you spend a whole year kind of making a, a record yeah. and then kind of almost is surreal when it finally comes to the point of actually <laughs> opening the door it to you know to the to the public so sometimes when I'm speaking to an artist and they say yeah our album's done the reality is it wasn't mastered or they're still tweaking the mastering or there's a couple mixed things to be done or the front cover is done, but maybe the rest <laughs> of it isn't done. Is your album totally done? Um, it is. It's been, um, I think I, I, I kind of like the way we did it as well, because you almost like 12 months ago, we could have said that it was done. And then obviously things have been so uncertain, just, you know, um, in so many different ways and especially in terms of releasing music and and kind of feels quite strange not being able to tour when you have new music out as well because we're sure. still not quite there with feeling comfortable to go out on the on the road either um 
but we we kind of had a had a finished record and then we just kept on writing you know so and we actually finished all I think we just freaked everybody out all our label partners were kind of like we, <laughs> we thought you were finished you know um so we wrote really right up until the last bit and I think the um the album has um you know has benefited from from that in a way it's it there's something kind of quite strange creatively isn't that that you almost like you finish a record and then it's almost like 12 months later it's like it doesn't seem to have this in terms of like if it's capturing a chapter of your life it's almost like hang on that was like it's not the deep past but it certainly feels like a you know at a slightly different place from where you might be whereas this still feels like you know like I said we've cut it a bit fine <laughs> that's a feels, really... feels very relevant to you know where we are Outrocast.